Cube Radio. You are listening to the Car Guide Podcast with Louis-Philippe Dubé and Gabriel Gélina. Welcome everyone to the third episode of the Car Guide Podcast. This is your host LP and my co-host Gab is with me. Hi Gab. Salut LP. Um, today is a kind of a special recording because we, and it was bound to happen only, uh, I'm surprised that it only happened after the third episode. Uh, we, we are far apart <laughs> this time, not in studio. Uh, <laughs> those who know us know that we spend a heck of a lot of time on the road. And um, I'm for myself in California and Gab, you are still in Quebec, but uh, remote in Quebec. Exactly. Sitting at home quietly. <laughs> Great. So this is going to happen at, uh, at a few times during this podcast series, and hopefully we get uh, the sound right and everything, and we apologize for, for, uh, for anything, uh, the sound distortions, if that ever happens. Um, to start off, Gab, I want to stray a little bit away uh, from automotive, but it's not straying that far because we're talking about Tesla. And uh, in the last few weeks, uh, Elon Musk and Tesla have... Uh, They made a presentation of their Optimus robot uh, product. We could call it a product. There's a lot of things that Elon Musk and Tesla talk about that are still not products, but this one is bound to be uh, a mover and a shaker in a lot of industries. And I'm wondering what you think about it and why do Tesla and uh, in the past other automakers have, have gone into the robot way? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So basically what Tesla is coming up with is basically a humanoid looking robot. Um, in a way, it's a little bit similar to what Honda developed. I think they started 20 years ago with a robot called Asimo. And uh, there have been... Yeah, there have been, then there have been others since then, uh, not necessarily from a car manufacturer, but different, different kinds of, uh, humanoid, uh, robots. And we know that Boston Dynamics is, uh, is, is doing things, uh, in that way as well. Yes. So yeah, the, the dogs. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. The, the dogs, but also, uh, you know, the, the, the same kind of, uh, the same kind of, uh, uh, process, so, so to speak, the same kind of idea. Um, so apparently, you know, according to a lot of experts that are in the robotics field, this one, the Optimus is uh, by Tesla is a, is, is pretty simple and straightforward. It's not very advanced in terms of what it can do. Um, and, and a lot of them are saying it's, it's a little bit like what the Honda Asimo was 20 years ago. 20 now, years ago, then, of yeah. course. Yeah, exactly. So since then, Honda has developed this, uh, this robot, um, you know, to, uh, to do more things. And I think, you know, th the idea here is that Tesla is doing this, you know, to, 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 to provide, uh, this kind of technology at a more affordable price, perhaps. And, you know, for, for a multitude of, of, uh, more simple usages than, uh, than one of the, one, than some of the most advanced, uh, robots that are out there. Right. And you've been to many, many auto shows. You've probably saw some of the automakers robots in the past 20 years. And yep. I remember the yeah, Asimo, probably you, you've, you've, you've met him in person. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Or a humanoid person. What do you think? <laughs> what, did, did it fit in, in a, in a automotive 
event type type uh, you know in your opinion well not really but then again you know a honda is a different company uh they not only make cars but you know they make motorcycles yes they make the honda jet now you know a business jet right. um and so they've always been you know kind of like exploring all kinds of uh of uh other options and other avenues and you know the, the founder of the company soishiro honda was always saying that you know dreams are are important and to dream the future was always one of the prime motivations of uh, of the company yeah. so from that standpoint it, it makes sense for them um but again you know it, but sometimes you know, there, there's you wonder why you know they're they're doing this because remember when they had the nuclear accident at fukushima in japan you know yep. that that nuclear reactor that had a had a meltdown one of the first questions that a lot of the press was saying you know it's dangerous for people to go back inside the nuclear power plant and start fiddling with things and shutting off different systems and they were going like what about this asimo robot you know by honda can we send that into into the uh this uh this facility and 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 do the work but apparently it wasn't um you know it wasn't designed for that or it wasn't you know it couldn't have it couldn't have done it you know you needed some some human people to go in there and and to do right. the job so so the idea <laughs> if you're going to do a robot like that the idea to me is to be able to send it in places where you don't necessarily want to send a human because it's too dangerous or because right you know things like that so if we're if they're ever ever able to get to that point, yeah, you know these these things make sense. But in the case of the uh, Tesla Optimus, again, uh, the whole idea there, I think, is to uh, to be among the first to 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 provide this kind of technology. You know, they've always been a a trailblazer, Tesla. Yeah. So um, maybe they're trying to do the same thing in that field, and hopefully. You know, it's not vaporware like the Cybertruck or the Tesla Roadster <laughs> that we keep hearing about for the past two, the, three or years. Or the dollars car. <laughs> exactly, and that never never happens, never materializes. Yeah. Um, last question about this subject for you, because after that we'll move on to uh, four wheels. Um, if a Tesla robot, Optimus robot, is driving a Tesla Model <laughs> S, is it still is it considered autonomous driving or is it not? <laughs> well, you know, that's uh, I think that's two sets of problems rolled into one. Basically, <laughs> I think it have more confidence in just the car doing its autonomous thing than to right. add another layer of complexity <laughs> of to, the, to the whole thing. Exactly. Okay. There you go. Good. <laughs> Uh, on to on to more automotive stuff. Uh, we've heard in the news uh, last week. Uh, well, we, we we knew that, but obvi obviously uh, Audi is uh, coming up with a new model that signifies the uh, the last breath of the uh, the V10 engine for Audi. Yeah. Well, basically, you know, Audi the R8 has been along for uh, around for a long, long time, and. Throughout the years, they've always, you know, come up with special edition models. Uh, I remember they did the Audi RWS, which st stood for rear wheel series. So they dropped, you know, the Quattro uh, all wheel drive and made it just a rear wheel drive sports car. It was limited to 999 units. And that's like a couple of years ago, about uh, six, seven years ago. Now, <clears throat> recently, They've um, redone, of course, the uh, the the uh, the R8 with the uh, and and they've they're now they've introduced 
not only the Quattro uh, variant, which now only has the high power uh, V10 uh, engine, but they also have the rear wheel drive car with the mm-hmm. uh, same V10 engine, but the power is was slightly downgraded. You know, so, yeah. so like in the Quattro, you had like 600 plus 610 horsepower. And in the rear wheel drive car, it was like 562. And uh, so now what they're doing is basically they're combining the rear wheel drive car and the high power V10 engine. So you're going to get a choice of that special model. They're only going to build 333 of them worldwide. So it's a very limited production. And with that, you're going to get the 610 horsepower V10 and the rear wheel drive. And of Mm -hmm. course, you know, different suspension, tuning, things like that to accommodate, of course, more power uh, yeah. in the car. So it's going to be interesting. And I actually, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go drive that car <laughs> in uh, yeah, I think it's early, early, early December. Uh, okay. They're going to do that, I think, in the Canary Islands. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, I, I was able to go drive um, the uh, the rear wheel drive uh, R8 again in the Canary Islands again in December, and yep. uh, we drove it's the, a good the time spider of the year on to the go. roads. Exactly, we drove the spider on the roads, and we drove the uh, uh, the coupe on on a small racetrack that they have there. And so it's going to be interesting to see just how the car behaves now that it's going to get a significant you know power. Uh, power mm-hmm. bump about ten percent more. So if you go from mm-hmm. when you're going from five hundred and sixty-two to six hundred and ten, that should uh, that should change things a lot. And you know, for Audi, it makes sense because it keeps the car in the news, it keeps it current, and yes. of course, you know that they're moving towards electrification and and uh, electric cars. Uh, they're they're moving the whole uh, lineup of cars towards electric in the not so distant future. And yep. so it makes sense that they're doing, you know, this, this another variant, uh, of the R8. Again, limited production. Uh, really, I think for collectors, you know, and people who want to go drive the, um, their, their R8 GT on a racetrack, because basically that's, that's what this car is pretty much going to be all about. You know, it's going to be very track focused and it's going to be very, very quick. And uh, they're going to put, you know, very sticky tires on it. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. It's going to be a, it's going to be a nice track car, basically. And that you're you're of course always going to be able to drive on the roads. But again, you know, big power, rear wheel drive, sort of like a purist kind of a sports car or exotic car. We're seeing a lot of the manufacturers do exactly that now because they're used to look at Stellantis that are taking yeah. the last of the platforms with the Challenger and the Charger. We're talking about a little bit more affordable cars, but they're doing limited editions, everything that they can, every single engine that they, 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 they can put in there, every mechanical, yeah. you know, performance oriented yeah. bits that they can put together and everybody's going to buy them. The, the R8s we're talking about, they're all called for probably, but, but, uh, yeah, exactly. The, the, as, far as, as far as, yeah. As far as Atlantis is concerned, it's almost like Hellcat everything, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, we're going to stuff, stuff a Hellcat in as many cars as we can. Yeah, <laughs> that's know? it. So, yeah, and, and all there's, because after that, all these vehicles, they're not coming back. They're not coming back in, exactly. in their, their, yeah. their gas powered form. So, so I, I guess exactly. it's a good time for purists to try and put their hands on, on, you know, these types of vehicle, including the R8 uh, with, with the V10. Yeah, it's, it's, it's probably the last chance, you know, because um, the, these cars are eventually going away. Uh, how quickly, you know, that's still kind of like fuzzy, but um, eventually, yeah, they're, they're, they are going away depending on the manufacturer. So 
uh, now is probably the last chance to to get a hold of uh, some. And, and again, you know, with with the Audi, it's it's a V10, nor, normally aspirated. You know, it's yeah. it's, it's it's an incredible uh, incredible car. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, last uh, news piece I want to talk to you about is uh, another supercar, uh, the Ford GT, uh, this generation, quote unquote, because it's been there since 2017. And Ford has been coming out with heritage editions now and then with, with you know, everything in you know, from uh, symbols from the 60s, from Le Mans, um, nods at a certain drivers or certain years. And these limited editions are very expensive. They're usually all sold. But this this one, the GTLM edition that uh, Ford has announced uh, just yesterday, is uh, some, it has something very special in it, but also it is probably the one that's going to sign off the, uh, the, the Ford GT as we know it now. Yeah, la- last of the breed, really. You know, yeah. the, this car has been has been such. Uh, you know, it, it, it got so much press for Ford. You know, the the whole idea of going back to Le Mans and redoing. You know that that um, winning its its class uh, when they went back. You know, with the, with the with the new car. Um, yes. So. You know, there's there's so much. They're trading a lot on the nostalgia and the heritage of uh, of the brand, and it, you know the Ford GT is a spectacular car. You know, to begin with, and now to have these limited editions or these heritage editions and things like that, I think it's a fitting tribute. It's a fitting tribute to the car. And again, mm-hmm. you know, you want to keep the 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 scarcity. You know, you want to keep that car rare you don't want to build that many of them you want to keep the the uh, the, the the resale values high for for the customers you want to make sure that the the good customers that bought these cars you know can these cars will keep their value and, and, yeah. and they'll keep on being a you know a special part of a collector's collection so so again you know to to go with these with these, this new one, uh, or this latest, or this last uh, variant of the Ford GT, I think makes perfect sense. You know, from uh, from that standpoint. Yeah, one thing the uh, the very special thing I was talking to you about inside is that they actually found the engine. They they took out the engine from the winning car of the 2016 uh, GT, the 69 car uh, that raced at Le Mans, and they. They grinded down the crack shaft into a powder and they 3D printed uh, a piece of the trim inside on the passenger side to, to commemorate the, the win. You know, yes. it's, a, it's, a, it's a very American thing to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's kind of obsessive, but in a way, you know, it, it's, it, it, you can say now that there's a little bit of that, uh, that Le Mans car in the car that you drive every day, you know, exactly. or that you, you, you drive once in a while in this case, but you know, it's, it's, it's one of those kind of like Easter egg things that, that you, yeah. uh, that we find nowadays, you know, whenever they're, they're putting out a, a specialty model or something a little bit, um, out of, out there. It's a little bit out there in terms of performance or in terms of design. So, uh, it's, it's kind of neat, you know, that they've done that. And, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, uh, with regards to the Ford GT, this car that they have, you know, it's a very, very modern car. Um, you know, with the, uh, with the arrow, with the, uh, adjustable ride height and things like that. Completely different it's, from the one in 2005, 2006. 
Exactly. And, and you know, yeah. in, in those years, I, I remember going to drive the, uh, the 2005 Ford GT back when they were still uh, finagling the tires and things like that. And, yeah. you know, there's a racetrack in, uh, in Michigan that I went there. And um, you could tell, you know, that car was very much alive. You know, it was like a, it was a bit of a handful to, handful to drive. You had that great supercharger wine to the to the car and things like that so mm-hmm. it was pretty cool and it had and but no, also had, no you know, driver very, aids whatsoever exactly nothing you had abs brakes and that's it you know there was no traction control there was no yeah. uh, electronic stability control it was really to go fast with that car you had to know what the hell you were doing and, yeah the, um, the, uh, the, the I, I, tra- traction I had control a lot of fun with it <laughs> The traction control model um, module was situated between the seat and the steering wheel, which is exactly the driver. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and, and if there was a handling problem, it was just owed to the loose nut between the steering wheel and the roll bar. <laughs> so, there you go. So, so but, two completely um, different cars. Yeah, exactly. To- totally different. And also the styling, you know, the, the 2005 car looked very much retro, looked very much like the car from the from the 60s. You know, it was very much inspired yeah. by that. Whereas yeah. the new car, you know, is is completely, uh, you know, a very modern design derived from racing, motorsports, aerodynamics, very important. Um, you know, just the way that the, 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 the back of the car tapers, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to channel the airflow, you know, that's yeah. something that's, that's thoroughly from, uh, from a racing, uh, yeah, racing uh, perspective. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. So, uh, and again, you know, they knew they were going to Le Mans with this thing. So they had to make it, you know, as aerodynamic in terms of performance, uh, yes. as possible. Yeah, the, uh, the, we'll say that the 2005-2006 GT was more of a tribute and uh, putting together, I mean, I, 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 in this car, there's all kinds of parts from the Ford's uh, parts bin, you know, the, uh, the windshield mm-hmm. washer uh, uh, yeah. arm is from a Focus, uh, you know, the, the, <laughs> uh, the taillights are from, uh, uh, you know, something else. It's, it's, a, uh, it's not even, you know, it, 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 it can race, but it's not uh, an engineering project like the new one. So, but, but very yeah, nice, very nice from Ford to be able to, to resuscitate the Le Mans dream, but what's next after this? Uh, when once the once the DG is gone, yeah, you know this. In terms of you know, obviously, they're talking about electric uh, electric performance uh, over yeah. at Ford. Uh, we know that they've you know they, they've they've put out some concepts out there, and uh, they're probably moving in that direction. Um, as are you know a lot of the uh, a lot of the car makers. But again, you know when you're talking about uh, performance and electric cars, you know, they're, f- again, they, you know, they're very fast in a straight line. So if you're looking at something for like drag racing or things like that, yeah, it'll work. But, um, in terms of Heavy. Uh, racing, yeah, exactly. In terms of racing against the, in a road course or whatever, you have to contend with, uh, with all that weight. So we'll see. Um, it's, a it, it's a problem, not only for, <laughs> for Ford performance division, but also for any manufacturer who wants to do an electric performance car.
So Gab, uh, you uh, you were in South Korea a couple of weeks ago, and we spoke about it uh, at the uh, second episode that we recorded in studio. And uh, we couldn't talk about the product that you drove, the Hyundai Ioniq 6, because there was an embargo. And now we're free and clear. We can talk about your drive impressions <laughs> on this vehicle, and we, uh, we we couldn't wait to, to hear about it. So please tell us your experience with the Ioniq 6 in uh, South Korea. Well, listen, you know, obviously, if when you're looking at uh, a four-door sedan electric, you know, the, the clear and, you know, miles ahead kind of leader in this segment is the Tesla Model 3. You know, it's it's the best-selling car uh, yeah. in that segment. And, and again, you know, it, it even outsells a lot of uh, uh, internal combustion engine-powered uh, cars. So the Tesla Model 3 is a clear leader, but the Hyundai Ioniq 6 is going to be a strong contender. Um, and it's all going to depend on how many they're going to be able to build, you know, because they're kind of limited in terms of uh, production capacity. But essentially what it is, is, um, is a, it's, it's a four-door sedan that is incredibly aerodynamic. It has sort of like a teardrop uh, shape. And, you know, its coefficient of friction is 0.21. Now, the most uh, aerodynamically efficient car right now is the Mercedes-Benz EQS, and that's 0.20. There's also the Tesla Model S, which is close, 0.2, I think, 0.8. Um, but this one is incredibly aerodynamic. And, of course, they've done this for the range. You know, uh, at Hyundai, the designers call it the electric streamliner because the design is very much inspired wow. by the streamlined wow. design of cars in the in in the 30s and and the 40s. You know, they mentioned the uh, uh, Stout Scarab uh, and a couple of uh, Saab 92, I think, also as uh, inspiration. But clearly, uh -huh. you know, this car is very very slippery. It's designed to be very very slippery to go through the air in order to maximize the range. That's the key thing what they're, what they're doing mm -hmm. with this car. You know, so in terms of a, from a technical standpoint, it's the same architecture as the Ionic 5. So it's the same right. eGMP uh, platform, same battery, uh, same same motors. Everything is is pretty much the same. Um, so how does it? Differ? But again, well, in terms of range, really, because um, you know, there's 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 first of all, there's two batteries that you can that can equip the car, uh, and with the what they call the long range battery, which is over seventy kilowatt hours. Um, if you're looking at the base model with the eighteen inch wheels, um, they're claiming a, a a WLTP range of six hundred and fourteen kilometers. So you know, obviously. We always know that these WLTP figures are always optimistic, but it's clear that this car is going to be able to do, you know, close to 500 uh, and even more than that uh, on a single charge. When I was there, I drove a car with the big battery and also with two motors because that's another distinction. You can get it also only as a rear-wheel drive or with mm -hmm. one electric motor or as an all-wheel drive with, with two motors. So we drove big battery two electric motors, and we also drove with optional 20-inch wheels fitted with Pirelli P0 yes. performance tires. Wheels. You know? So, exactly. But that, and those cut 
the range down a bit. But to give you an idea, when I got in the car, the battery was at 97%. And, you know, it was showing me 455 kilometers. So it's, so it's, it's good. You know, it's, it's going to be, um, it uses energy very efficiently because it's so aerodynamic. And it's so aerodynamic because, you know, they've got movable flaps at the front that only open when the battery needs cooling. They've got, again, right. that teardrop uh, shape uh, to uh, to the car. But everything about the body of that car is designed to make it as, as you know, uh, to flow through the air as, as smoothly uh, as possible, again, to, to optimize the range. And yeah. it's going gonna, it's gonna to get more range, obviously, than the Ionic 5, which is, you know, a kind of like boxy, uh, squarish yeah. looking, you know, almost SUV-like, you know. Uh, how how spacious it is because we we uh, the Ionic Five is is quite it doesn't look that big but it's huge they did the the, the um, yeah. you know just just the length of it and um, uh, the inside the flat floor you know everybody's got plenty of space in there how is it comparable when you sit inside the Ionic Five and Ionic uh, Six what's the difference that you noticed. Well, basically this, you know, obviously there's less, uh, less room in, in the, um, in the cockpit of the Ionic 6 than the Ionic 5, but the right. car has a very long wheelbase. And, you know, when I set, I'm 510, so I set the driver's seat for myself and then I went and sat right behind the driver's seat and there's tons of room back there you know mm -hmm. for as far as leg room is concerned it's very very good the only downside obviously because of the sloping roof line is headroom at, at the rear seats but that's it uh, apart yeah. from that you know it's it's it's, it's a very it's going to be a very comfortable quiet it's a very quiet car when you're driving it down the road you know very very little wind noise you hear a little bit more of the the road noise of the tires than you do of the uh, of the actual wind noise you know of the car mm -hmm. now also one thing that they had on the cars in korea is that they didn't have um, you know the mirrors the exterior mirrors are cameras uh that uh, that 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 literally That's still you know, here yeah, exactly so so in <laughs> on on the dashboard you have two small screens that are located conveniently towards the end of the each end of the dashboard right so you, you is where you would expect the mirrors to be and so but the these screens relay what the images you know uh, are uh, from the camera but for cars that are going to be sold here in North America, that we're going to have regular mirrors. Um, but, you know, it just goes to show how, uh, how much they looked at every single detail of the car, again, to make it as aerodynamic as, as possible. But in terms of, um, in terms of how it feels inside the car, it's, it's, it's incredibly roomy. Um, the design is very, very nice. And also, they do details really, really well in that car. When you look at the the fabrics and the and also the um, the materials they used in inside the the cockpit, it's really, really looking more and more like a, a premium vehicle, more so even than the uh, the Ionic Five, in my opinion. You didn't think you would say uh, something in in those lines about uh, South Korea or Korean cars twenty years ago because the interiors no, were exactly. more <laughs> And now, yeah, yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I, you know, even mm. Kia and Hyundai, you know, the the materials, just just the textures have changed, and they're surpassed 
some of the other manufacturers, and we, we would have never expected that from these manufacturers, from these uh, South Korean ma manufacturers uh, 20 years ago. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, it, it's um, in terms of d d driving, how it drives, I mean, it drives just like every other electric car, you know, lots of uh, straight line <laughs> speed, you know, zero to 105.1 yeah. seconds, you know, it's, it's fairly quick. Very impressive. Um, Yeah, exactly. But again, you know, when you start cornering, obviously there's a, a lot of weight. You know, we're talking about over 2,000 kilos for for this car, so uh, you feel the weight in in, in the corners. Um, they also have they've come up with some 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 new sounds for this electric car, and quite frankly, mm. you I know, love when, when we it, talk about electric car sounds, it's always uh, exactly it's always what impressive. this one. This one, you know, wasn't that impressive to me. <laughs> it wasn't that great. So <laughs> that was it, it sounds very. <laughs> Yeah, it sounds very video game-ish and things like that. So right. if there's one thing, you know, that uh, you'll want to do with this thing is to uh, is to turn that down and enjoy the, the, the peace and quiet of, uh, <laughs> of the electric drive as opposed to these these fake sounds that they've come up one with. Question, one question that I have, and I think all Canadians want to know, is does it have a rear window wiper? <laughs> no, it does not. <laughs> but, but then again... I, the you know, The Ionic 5 doesn't. <laughs> exactly. But the Ionic 5, uh, as you know, has a very, you know, straight up kind of, uh, kind of rear right. window. And yeah, it does right. get, it does get pretty messy there in the winter. So with this one, you know, the, 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 the angle of the, of the rear window is so, so sharp that, uh, I don't think it's going to be, uh, I don't think it's going to be, be a, much problem. Of a problem. Exactly. They're going to start production very soon on the Ionic 5, uh, Ionic 6, sorry. And, um, The, the first cars should become available in the first uh, quarter of uh, 2023. No word yet on pricing. That's going to be announced probably just before the car goes on sale. But, right. you know, I think that they're going to be very smart. I think it's, I think maybe they're even going to price it a little bit lower than, than Ionic 5. And so, which means that, you know, it's going to be eligible for all these, uh, Uh, incentives uh, that we have here in Canada, both on the provincial and the federal level, uh, okay. to get a significant rebate, and that sh that should be uh, that should be quite the thing. Okay. Um, I've been uh, the reason why I'm in California now is uh, because I've been driving a very different car um, from from the Ionic Six, and we're talking about the Lamborghini Huracan Technica. Uh, we spoke about it last week, and uh, this vehicle has been basically Lamborghini's targeting North America for this car. They unveiled it in North America. They launched it here, and uh, now we're tr uh, we we drove it on the racetrack at Thermal, uh, which is in uh, sunny California. Uh, the uh, the Technica sits just below the STO, which is the STO is the one with all the aero um, uh, uh, on it and a much more bolder statement Lamborghini, uh, whereas the Technica is uh, kind of a uh, a little bit of a middle, and uh, but it still gets the V10 engine, the 5.2 liter V10 engine with no less than 631 horsepower and 417 foot pounds of torque. Um, we were talking earlier about uh, these V10s going away, and this one is, yeah. you know, you gotta you gotta drive it while you can. We mentioned it uh, exactly. in the second episode. We'll still say it again uh, because it's the, probably the last Lamborghini that's going to have this this uh, V10 engine, and and it's uh, you know it's something else. So again, same playbook maybe as Audi. You know, Lamborghini in the past, you know, of course they came out with with the all-wheel drive variants, and then they added some you know rear-wheel drive cars and. 
different, you know, the STO and, and, and things like that and the car you're driving now. So basically, they're using the same kind of formula, the same kind of playbook in trying to keep the car as current as possible for as long as possible and to yeah. offer as much variety as, as possible. You know, right now, in the Porsche, if you're looking at a 911, there's like 23 different variants. <laughs> so, so why right, not exactly, many exactly. variants? Just go all many out, variants of the, exactly. Go, go many variants of the everything you can. Yeah, exactly. And basically, these cars are built to order now, anyways. So you can really spec it the way you want it, and uh, you know the right variant with the with the right drivetrain and the, the right colors, options, things like that, and really make a, a, a unique unique car that yeah. uh, that's going to suit exactly what what you want. So it's it's kind of cool kind of cool that you get that kind of uh, that kind of uh, flexibility so to speak or that kind of choice you know such a, a wide array that's possible uh, even yeah. though you're looking at basically one one nameplate yes and as far as driving I mean the, the, the V10 it's gonna it's gonna leave you know something in my mind you know th this vehicle where we're talking about the R8s or any the, the, the response the mix of the just the uh, yeah. the response to the pedal yeah. And the power yeah. delivery. I mean, we're, we're talking yeah. about electric cars and they deliver the power quickly and I, I grant them that. But the interaction with the driver and pedal and just f feeling those yeah. horses on the racetrack, it's never, it can never be emulated by an electric car. And I'm not comparing the Lamborghini with uh, any electric car. I'm just yeah. saying, since, since we spoke about that, it's, it, it is mm. so impressive at, at low RPMs and the transmission makes such a great job at, at switching through the, the gears. But what impressed me the most with the vehicle, and I, I, I was, it's, it's a real drive car. It's got a V10 engine. It's got a plenty of power. I mean, I'm not, I, I'm not a race car driver. I, I've done a lot of track time, but I'm not a race car driver. So one of my fears is always to the, the car biting me. You know, we're, we were talking about the GT. I, I mean, I drove the 2006 GT and it was constantly trying to kill me. Um, and, and a big rear wheel drive car, it's always with a rear engine. It's always, before you know it, you know it, mm -hmm. it, it, you're 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 facing traffic because mm -hmm. if you're doing stuff, yeah, there's a, there's a very fine line between I've got it and it's got me, <laughs> and <it's> just, <laughs> exactly. And and with the with the Lamborghini, that my instructor was like, "Wow, you're doing great, but you you have to trust the car more," you know. So I said, exactly. "Well, you know, it's a three, it's a two hundred thirty nine thousand dollar US." car you know so I, i'm taking it easy You're not a sunday stroll but taking it easy he says put it in corsa mode which is the the, 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 the super sport yeah. mode and yeah we'll do this exactly the same i won't talk to you just just go you know all out you know and i was so impressed how in the corsa mode which is the super sport mode you would think that the vehicle would 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 snap and leave you and just go into the wall but it's it, there's so much evolution in the, the traction control that it's 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 letting you slide, but if you're if you you're you you're too stupid or you you just put yourself in so much trouble, it will bring you back on the straight on the straight line and it will it will, it will protect you while keeping your speed. It doesn't doesn't shut down. It doesn't break. It doesn't. So it's the 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 tolerance. Um, it was very mm -hmm. very impressive to me that and it makes it it makes it a car that everybody can drive. I mean, not everybody who buy a, yeah. buys a Huracan knows exactly how to drive a rear-wheel drive car. So that that's that's a big asset for this vehicle. Yeah, again, you know, we, going back to the all the progress that's been made with electronics, you know, throughout the years, and now yeah. you can design these systems uh, and you can fine tune really the the car's performance and the way that it the way that it drives. 
in, in, in a way that mm-hmm. wasn't possible, you know, like five, 10 years ago. So now, right. There were you know, on off switches. There were on off switches. Exactly. That, that, exactly. That they back then. The car or they let you go. Yeah, exactly. And now, you know, even on certain cars, I remember the, the McLaren, the current McLarens, you know, you can actually program or with, with the, the interface decide just how much of an angle of drift you want on the car you know <laughs> exactly so, that's what i'm talking about so that's that exactly uh, so. you, you dial it in and 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 have fun you know exactly but, but, you so, drive, and, you, but you're right or you're right about what you're saying is that you need to trust the car because when you're driving something that fast with so much rubber and all these sophisticated systems you know you really have to adjust your your own personal internal hard drive so to speak the way your brain is wired because yep. the performance is just on another level uh than a conventional car and and that's what takes you know a little bit of time to to get used to and mm-hmm. to develop the confidence that you're going to go be able to go faster and you know kind of like push the limits a little bit more um but again you know the limits now are are so high with this with with, with these cars that uh, you really wind up really going fast <laughs> <laughs> you were in Silverstone uh, a couple of weeks ago or last week, and you drove the 911 GT3 RS. And yeah. we can talk about uh, modulating or, or rewiring your brain, or how how did you <laughs> how, how did you? Because you've experienced this car so many times, right? So uh, now yeah. we were talking about how they make it a little bit better every time, and they go through yeah. everything, every nut and bolt. How did you find that 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 the the, the new GT3 RS was you know better? Or maybe not as good as the as the last outgoing uh, uh, GTT RS. So basically, you know, this new uh, 911 GT3 RS, it's all about performance and it's all about aerodynamics. Basically, what they've done is they've taken just about every trick in the book from uh, the racing cars that they develop of, of the 911 line that they develop for endurance racing. So think RSR, think GT3R. So they took every, every little piece of technology from the racing cars and put it into the road legal car and even put in some technology that they wish that they could put into the racing cars, but that's prevented by the technical regulations. The laws. Yeah. Exactly. The rule book, the rule, the rule book, book of uh, insurance racing. Exactly. So what you're winding up with here is you've got a car that First of all, you know, it, it, it's, it's fairly light. It weighs 1,450 kilos, but at 285 kilometers per hour, it generates 860 kilos of downforce. So wow. trying to picture this, it's like you've got the weight of the car and then you're going to stack half the weight of the car on it as downward pressure at speed to keep and it on the so, ground. Exactly, to make it go through the corners as fast as possible. And obviously, you know, when you're talking about driving on a racetrack, you want to go as fast as possible down the straight. So they've incorporated a DRS, drag reduction system, just like on a Formula One car. (laughs) You know, basically you go down the straight and the rear wing flattens and now the downforce is reduced to a paltry 306 kilos. (laughs) You know, so there you go. But that's not only, you know, this car has so much downforce, it's unbelievable. And and if you've watched the races at, at Silverstone, you know that there's a, 
you go past the start start finish line, you go through cups, and then there's a, a straightaway you, cups. You, in this car, you take it in fourth gear. That's how fast this car is. And then you go through the S's at an amazing, you know, the speed because of the downforce. You can actually feel the car hunker down and mm-hmm. grip. And it you go over the um, the rumble strips at the apexes. You just hear that. That's it. The car doesn't move. It's just, it's just phenomenal. And the brakes, the brakes are just incredible. So yeah. of course, you so know, that, 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 that uh, does good for your confidence. We were talking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but, the, but this car, you know, the engine, a little bit more, 15 horsepower more than before. The gearbox optimized a little bit, you know, but still seven speed, uh, PDK double clutch. Um, so there's not much improvement from a mechanical standpoint, engine, uh, gearbox, things like that, but everything else, everything else. I'm talking, you know, the track is wider. Uh, the tires are wider. Uh, you know, it, it, it has twice the aerodynamic downforce as the outgoing GT3 RS and three times as much as the current GT3. It right. actually has as much downforce at speed as a McLaren Senna which is a full-blown exotic, you know, with weird-looking bodywork. And this right. car is based on a 911. Yeah, so it looks like a 911. With, exactly. So, you, of course, you get that massive rear wing at the, at the back, the whole full width of the car. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's, it's <laughs> kind of very it, obvious. It, it, it came in the wind tunnel as a 911, came out with that wing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, um, it, it it it's just, you know, it's just... Uh, an outstanding, outstanding uh, machine, you know, 9,000 RPM, normally aspirated, uh, flat six, four liter. It's just, it, it's just incredible. So zero to 103.2 seconds. Um, but again, it's not so much the power of the engine. It's just the way the body makes the car sticks in the, in, in the corners. It's just unbelievable. It, it truly is now more than ever. Uh, a racing car with a with a license plate, and you know at at Silverstone, um, Jörg Bergmeister was there. Now, if you're familiar a little bit with with racing, you know that he's an ex factory driver at Porsche. Now he's a brand yes. ambassador, and he's also a test driver. And he he's racked up you know more miles in in the the new 911 GT3 RS throughout its development than anybody. And he he of course they're going to go for. Um, they were scheduled to go for a Nurburgring, you know, hot lap, you know, to, 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 to set a time with, with this uh-huh. car. But unfortunately, the day that they had booked, it was raining and they, you know, they, they couldn't drive fast. So they're going back to the Nurburgring. But he's confident, confident that this car will deliver a time around the Nordschleife under seven minutes. He thinks it's going to go faster Completely than the 918 insane. Spider than the 918 Spider, which is like a full-blown exotic from a few years ago. So it's going to be incredible to see <laughs> what kind of time they're able to achieve with this thing. But I mean, it just sticks like there's no tomorrow. So next week, uh, I am heading back to exactly the same place where I am sitting now, which is California and um, Palm Springs, uh, but for a completely different reason. This time, I'm going to drive a heavy-duty pickup truck, the Ram 
HD 2500, and it's the Ram 2500 Rebel Edition, which the um, the HD pickup trucks now are getting all the uh, the off-road uh, bits and the off-road additions that the the full-size pickup trucks are, are are getting with the diesel engines. So we're going to go out uh, into the, the the desert to be able to try that. But pickups are getting bigger and bigger, and uh, this one is getting a lot of off-road. Uh, um, uh, and uh, uh, off-road equipment and a winch in the front and everything a heavy-duty pickup truck owner doesn't necessarily need, but that it looks very, very cool. So I can't wait to see that. And uh, Gab, you are uh, heading uh, uh, towards a completely different vehicle as well because it's a German car and it's electric. Yeah, exactly. You know, BMW, uh, we're talking about the i7. Um, now, you know, the i7 was introduced, it had its uh, uh, introduction, its reveal in New York City um, last uh, last spring in April. And uh, along with the the, um, the 7 Series with, the, with its uh, gasoline uh, V8 engine. So basically, you know, we're looking at now you're going to be a choice, you're going to get a choice if you're, uh, if you want to a full blown, you know, luxury sedan. You're either going to get a choice with BMW of either gasoline powered with the seven series or electric drive yeah. with the, uh, with the, and I they're se- not, the they're I7. not different. They look, they look no, both. No, like, into, uh, compl- yeah. yeah. In terms of looks, they're, they're, yeah, exactly. they're really, really both uh, the same. Almost. Yeah, the same. exactly. So, yeah, when you look at Mercedes Benz, you look at the the S class and the EQS, and they look like completely different cars. Whereas the two yes. BMWs, whether they're gasoline powered cars or the the this new i7 electric, they look very similar in terms of uh, in terms of uh, design. So that's that's interesting. The power is the same in both cars, 536 horsepower. So again, wow. you know, it's very it's, it's very very <laughs> close. So it's going to be interesting to see. You know, just obviously, you know, this car is gonna is gonna drive very quietly. It's gonna be very very smooth. We expect all that. It's got a large cap- uh, capacity battery, 107 kilowatt hours. That's a lot, you know. So if we should we should get um, quite a lot of uh, of range uh, out of out of this car. And what's interesting also is yeah, they've got new tech because obviously, you know, this is an executive car, so. Right. The back seat and the, and the second row there, very comfortable, you know, almost like a, a business class uh, seat, seat uh, in yeah. an airplane. But also this now this incredible screen that drops down from the ceiling that's 31 inches uh, wide. You know, so it's almost like the full width of the car. It's basically like right. you're, you're flipping down the big screen TV in the, in, in the rear seat, you know, to be watching content, streaming, whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. so again, you know, trying to, uh, create this, this, uh, this environment where you're really pampered, uh, in the back if you're being chauffeur driven, uh, in your i7 electric car. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm, I'm looking forward more to driving it yeah. than riding in the you're back. Gonna, you're you're going <laughs> to give us the perspective of the driver i'm, exactly. I'm totally uh, so, I, i'm sure about that so i'm very much looking forward to uh to driving that that uh, new bmw i7 electric luxo sedan 
All right. Well, thanks, Gab. And we're looking forward to hear about it in the next few weeks. So uh, we will be uh, recording again in a couple of weeks and talking about all of the both test drives and as well as new automotive news and everything that's happening in the automotive industry. Thanks for listening. Gab, thank you very much again. And uh, I thank everyone for being patient with the little sound problems, if there were any. And uh, we'll see you uh, for episode number four. Thank you for listening to the Car Guide Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review if you'd like. Visit us at carguideweb.com for daily updates and news on everything auto, as well as weekly reviews and drives. You can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram at The Official Car Guide.